You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 241 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on the 1st of December. Raj, go. No, 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 no. That's not how this is going to work. Because <laughs> if so, it'll just be a half hour of me bitching, and I don't want that. But how is that different from any other episode? Oh, that was just pitiful comeback. Seriously, I expect better from you. Uh, not in December, you don't. Okay, this is true. <laughs> Let's just get this over so, with. <laughs> yeah. This week we are discussing the latest Marvel Netflix series, Jessica Jones. And anybody who follows Roger on Twitter <laughs> probably knows how he feels about this already. <laughs> I'm not known for I masking my feelings. I did not hate it as much as you did, but I also didn't love it either. That is actually surprising. I was anticipating that you were quite enjoying this. I liked parts of it, but I, it didn't even come close to Daredevil in my eyes. What's funny is that I was I was looking at some – I've been reading various reviews too and whatnot. And it's not that – I mean anybody who's listened to the podcast long enough knows and, and this applies for both of us. Neither one of us is so full of ourselves that we're not willing to concede when a good point is made that we can go, oh, you're right. You know what? I hadn't thought of it that way and you're right. That said, however – they're just not to each other. Rarely, rarely. <laughs> Those are gems. Um, but there are things that you, you know, you'll feel strongly about. And it's one of those, I'm not trying to be a stubborn bastard, but you're not going to change my mind about this. And that's just the way it is because I've thought it through and I, I appreciate what you're saying. And how you liked it in, in this circumstance, but that's not going to change my takeaway from it. That said, I did want to read more from people who enjoyed it because mm-hmm. a lot of people really like this a lot. Like not a little, the Rotten Tomatoes score is 92% with a user score of 89 yeah, not even like comics people, like just general film yeah. and TV reviewers have been giving it glowing reviews. So I was reading more reviews and I was reading from uh, various, whether it's a, a feminist blog or whatever, different women. And I actually sp- made a point of speaking to different people about it as well. Some whom I know have gone through things and getting their opinions as well. And kind of adding that to my thoughts on it and my experience throughout all my life too. And while I can appreciate some of the things that the series did well and brought to light, there were things that were, in my opinion, so bad, so horrible that the series was not redeemable for me. I only watched through because of this podcast. That's it. I would have stopped fairly early and I'd been watching with my wife and she clocked out. I think it was at episode seven or eight and said, that's it. I'm 
you can watch the rest without me. I, I don't want to watch it. And so like there's, again, there's some things that it does well, but they're, they're few and far between. And the issues that I have with it are quite obviously the, the, the most sensitive issues that are present in, in the series. But it's not just that. It's also just from a storytelling standpoint, I think it mm-hmm. fails in so many ways. And I think that, and I had this conversation with a, a number of people on Twitter as well. Luckily, nobody was attacking my, my views. And likewise, I wasn't attacking theirs. We were just discussing it. And it was while I was talking to, it was Mocha Raid I was talking to on Twitter. Great guy, intelligent, and was curious about the series. And we were, we were chit-chatting. And, and Joe as well, actually. And I referenced a couple of articles as well that I thought were important to put together with this. And one of them being the one that you had actually sent me when the whole Slave Leia debacle right. came about and there was that wonderful article that somebody wrote that was talking about how a, a it's about freaking time and it's akin to anybody who defends it is akin to the the artists and creators who defend sleazy comic book uh, design for women's costumes saying oh it's because they're in touch with their sexuality and confident no it's not it's because you want to draw sleazy crap and here we have something where in you have this concept that runs throughout the entirety of the series of perpetually making her a victim, having to deal with them for the sake of trying to catch him to prove the innocence then of the young girl. And it's like bullshit that all that is, is a weak ass framing device for you to keep her this victim throughout and stretch this out so that she has to deal with this horrific person. And meanwhile, you're not only going to throw the rape in her face constantly. You're not going to, you're not only going to uh, like, I mean, make him to try to defend himself against it several times. But on top of that, you're going to keep the sexual aspects ever prevalent in the series because you're going to toss in frivolous, stupid sex scenes, graphic sex scenes throughout as well for the sake of making it seem like it's, it's hardcore and it's adult, but you can't have it both way. Well, you can, but in my opinion, it fails. If you do, you're, you're trying to titillate your audience and on one hand and on the other saying, Oh yeah, but look at, she was raped and she's a victim now, but she's fighting against it. Bullshit. You can't have it both ways. And so there are a lot of horrific things that I think are in the writing. The character designs, I did not like either. And I don't care how true they stayed to the series, if at all, or whatever. I honestly don't remember. And it's not like I'd read them all here's either. A, here's the thing. In the comics. <laughs> you said where, go. I was going still. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I'm, I'm making a point here. In the comics, because it's a major plot point throughout the Alias comic, was uh, Jessica's association with the Purple Man, Kilgrave, there. And while she was under his control – he never used her in that way in the comics. So they even took some, like, typically we look at comics and shake our heads and don't get me wrong. He did stuff like that in the comics, but never with Jessica. So it was never the driving plot point of the story. Like it's assumed, okay, he's a supervillain that can control minds. 
odds are he's up to stuff like that. But it was never like that with Jessica specifically. So it wasn't the focal point of the entire story. And see, this is the same thing as the Game of Thrones where they just randomly toss in incest and rape thinking that that's what we want. And see, that was the second article that I sent out to to Mocha Raid, as well as anybody who would freaking read it. And that was the New York Times article that was written uh, online. Wonderful article, massive article, talking about women in filmmaking, be they directors, screenwriters, and whatnot, and producers. And the crap that they have to put up with from the old white men contingency that are still in charge. And I mean, if you doubt that they're still in charge, you don't look have to look any further than the statistics that they point out for how many of each of these were women in, I think the study was in 2014. And it's ridiculous how low it is. And when you read some of the things that they have to put up with, where male producers are asking for them to insert rape scenes into movies where they want to dress them as sleazy as possible or are hiring someone based on the color of their hair because of some sexual fantasy they have. And then it's almost immediately after I read this that I then see this Jessica Jones series and I'm like, oh my God, that's all I can see when I'm seeing this is it's, I know that there's a lot of women that were involved in the making of this series. The showrunner, Melissa Rosenberg is a woman herself and I can see the, some of the things she was trying to do with the series, some of the metaphors she was trying to tell, but much like you, there were also aspects that just felt really out of place with what she was trying to do. Yeah. I, again, I, I did not care for it at all. And there were some episodes that I thought were horrible. Not just, oh, that just wasn't on par with the rest of the episodes that I wasn't crazy. But no, they were horrible, horrible from a story standpoint, the character design, their character, like how they crafted the different characters, what they did to them. And also the acting in some parts, like I really wasn't crazy but all the actors either like i really didn't feel the casting was right for jessica jones either Nah, i it, she never quite clicked for me like again i love Kristen ritter and other stuff just and i said from the beginning i didn't know if i could buy her as jessica jones and i didn't like she just and maybe a lot of it was the way the character herself was written as being so oh, yeah yes yeah vulnerable and always you know traumatized which granted that should have been an aspect but it, it kept – she never quite felt as strong as she should have been to me. And it wasn't just that. It was far too often falling into the cliché. The, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, we know she's an alcoholic from the series, but it turned into a running gag at points. And it's like alcoholism in, isn't a running gag. Mm-hmm. You're already taking rape far too lightly and everything else. Your, your, your story is pretty weak and now you're taking this – lightly as well and it's like oh god and the fact that she I mean, what she wakes up with a hangover once i think that was one of the things that i read somebody <laughs> saying her superpower is never waking up with a hangover like again they made it into just a, a, a stereotypical gag throughout and i felt that way about various aspects of her character just became not this tough woman character that is no nonsense and doesn't care about what people think of her, which you can see that's what they were trying to put there. But that's not what comes. That's not what I felt came through at all. What came out was this emo chick 
that just was far too often a cliche of what she should have been. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to disagree there. Uh, let's jump into some of the other characters and see how you felt about them. Uh, of course, the, na- the main uh, focal after that would be Luke Cage. How did you feel about him? There were times where I liked him better. Like when he mm-hmm. first came out, it was like, yeah, I wasn't crazy about how they were trying to portray him. And there were different things throughout that it was like, uh, and then I kind of warmed up to him a little bit. And then towards the end, though, it just, I don't know, it just felt wrong. It's just the way he was acting and everything was just, it, 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 it just, was just a really awkward very storyline for the character. Yes. Okay, you know, him involved with Jessica. All right. Finding out she killed his wife and then just kind of accept. There was a lot of that of just accepting things that normal people wouldn't accept and be able to move on and have a relationship with these people. Same thing with Trish and Simpson of, okay, yeah, yes, yeah. he was mind controlled. He didn't actually try to kill her. But still, how could you carry on? a physical relationship with the guy that even against his own will almost choked you to death. Like because there's a lot of that in this series. Because they wanted a scene where he's going down on her. That's it. Like, I mean, then when they're, you're looking at the different things, you can draw the lines. Oh, okay. We're going to need them in the sack at this point. So how are we going to make that happen? Because afterwards, like, yeah, there's a little bit of a relationship, but there's a lot more just fighting afterwards and saying like, stay away. And that's the other thing too. Here's this woman who has fought to be able to defend herself because she does not have superpowers. And yet when presented with this guy who is clearly gone over the edge and not because of Kilgrave, but by his own design Mm -hmm. is still saying, yeah, we can get together later. It's like, yeah. No, I don't buy that. She'd be telling him to hit the road because she's also a very successful businesswoman in her own right. She is tough as hell. She's driven as well. So you get all these moments of like strength throughout that you're like, okay, With, I. And all of the scenes not involving Simpson, she was an amazing character. And then you get her with him, and there shouldn't be that kind of a bond that she'd be willing to put up with all that crap. You know, like I, I can see how they were trying to, to make it seem like that, but it's not. And, and, and don't even get me freaking started on him. Jesus. He was horrible. I, he was horrible, but oh. I, I, I hate I the character. A- first of all, well, I mean, it's it's Nuke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hate <laughs> so that like, character. Of all the characters they could have pulled out, you know, they, they bring in Nuke, who I guess they'll make him instrumental in Daredevil because he has to be. <laughs> the thing I found hilarious, though, once I realized who it was, every time I looked at him, he looked like somebody who tried to be Steve Rogers and came out wrong. Yeah, like, I mean, even the way yeah. the guy himself, like, physically just looked. He looks like Steve Rogers mold that didn't quite go right. <laughs> Uh, he was a, I, I didn't care for the actor in that role at all. Mm-hmm. I, I just, he just, I, I did not like him in the role at all. Mm-hmm. I, not only do I not like the character, I didn't like the actor at all in that. Uh, he was kind of take it or leave it. Yeah, I, I could have done without him, but I, yeah, I didn't like the character from just because again, just because of how weird the relationship with Trish was. What about Malcolm, though? I actually really liked Malcolm's character with, you know, him being the junkie that kind of got pushed off. Like, I loved the scene where Jessica brought him to the hospital to use him as a distraction and like the the hurt that he felt there. 
And then everything he went through with Kilgrave and actually coming out to be one of the strongest characters, you know, emotionally in the show at the end. I, I really liked Malcolm himself. I would go so far as to say not one of, but the best character. Mm-hmm. He was, in my opinion, the only redeeming thing of this series. That's how much I like that character. And and the actor who played him was spot on. Yeah. Perfect every friggin' scene. I I love the actor. I love and and you can really see it in different interactions. Like when you're seeing him with the psycho sister and who lost the brother. And that relationship in and of itself was yet another what the hell are you doing? Seriously, this borderline incestuous relationship between the two of them and him walking around in a diaper and everything else. And it just was They, they could have had the exact stupid. same characters. Just they didn't need to take it to 11 that way. Like it made it way too it bizarre. Was stupid. And, and she yeah. and, I, and she was ridiculous. Like throughout. She was just, again, oh, completely overacted. forced character. Like it just. But you saw him with her. And the scenes worked only because of him and how he was. Mm-hmm. It was almost as if he's dealing with the actress <laughs> and the role that she <laughs> has to play. And that's what he's dealing with. And it just that was the only thing that worked about those scenes. But, yeah, I agree. He was he was spectacular. Mm-hmm. And then the other main character, aside from Kilgrave, who we'll, we'll come back around to, was the lawyer, Hogarth. Uh, there was a lot that I liked about this. Because in any other production, this would have been a guy, but it was played exactly the same as it would have been with a male character, except with Carrie Ann Moss in the role. On the other hand, I really did not care about any of the story. It was it was 10 episodes of a story I didn't care about just to give Kilgrave a way out of that cell at the end. It was going back to what I was saying about stereotypes being tossed in who's the one that allows him to escape the evil lawyer and Mm -hmm. the the ruthless lawyer and the one that is with the divorce stuff and everything else and it just felt throughout like it was again a character a caricature of a character for her which is too bad because god i love that woman as an actress and throughout, she played the role really well. It was just – it wasn't a great role. I would have liked to have seen her as Jessica Jones. Even if she was a little bit older than what the role required, mm-hmm. they could have made it work. And she's a good enough actress that she could pull that off far better in my opinion than this role here. Which again, she nailed the role for what it was. It's just it's too bad that it was this, again, stereotypical, cliched piece of crap lawyer role. That's that's it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the last one to come around to is David Tennant as Kilgrave, who, despite the fact the role was troublesome, let's just put it that way. I thought, like, especially in the early episodes, he creeped me the hell out. Like some of the scenes of him just messing with people when he moved into that family's home, like he was a great character. Until we learned too much about him and about his relationship with Jessica and especially once they tried to – once he became a bigger part of the actual story, like the part with the moving into the house and trying to redeem him. Like I liked him early on when he was barely there, but the more we saw of him, the more I 
didn't like him. And that, that's the character, not the actor. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. I liked him. I, I, that sounds stupid, but I liked how he portrayed the role. I liked mm-hmm. his performance. Put it that way. I hated the role. Certain scenes especially were when it wasn't that kind of stupidity, you really got to see how good an actor he is. <laughs> you have to wonder if like diehard Doctor Who fans were pissed off that their Doctor <laughs> Who's been turned into this evil rapist. But um, no, some of the scenes that he did, you're like, that was really quite good in terms of the acting, not again, the the character. And yeah, he, he was good. But again, it's it's what they fed him. Like when you have a character that is that is arguing that it wasn't rape with the victim several times, when you have someone who is trying to play the victim themselves because of what they went through, and that's why they're trying to excuse it. And you get the impression almost that at times the story is trying to get you to feel sorry for him. The the writing is trying to get you to feel sorry and have some level of empathy for this character. And there should be mm-hmm. none of that. None. There yeah. should not have been a single moment where you see this person as a human being, but they tried to make you feel that. And that's okay. a huge one for me too. And then even going so far as to bring his parents in and uh, uh, it was, and there was, here. here's the thing for a story that was supposed to be a detective story with, you know, this private investigator, Way too much of the plot depended on coincidence. <laughs> like, oh, of course, his mom just happens to be there. Like, there, she ain't Batman. Let's put it that way. <laughs> What's funny is that I'm watching this, and from the first episode, I'm thinking earbuds, loud music, problem solved. <laughs> Why are you always worried about what he's going to say? Earbuds, loud music, problem solved. And it's not until the last episode that they do just that. And you're going like, you could have saved 13 friggin' episodes. Just look, find out where he is. Earbuds, walk over, clock him. Problem solved. But it's because it's a... It's a piss poor character design and story design element that they only much later try to rationalize as, oh, but it's a virus and that's why and this and that and all that. But the the fact remains that it, it, it should not have been that hard. It should not have been that difficult. And again, it's if if you're watching 13 episodes and in the back of your head you're mm-hmm. constantly thinking that putting your hands over your ears and going la 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 can r- solve the problem and just kick him in the balls to shut him up then there's there's something wrong here and i think that was the biggest structural problem with the series was that it was 13 episodes of a single story and not to say that can't be done well but it wasn't done well here. I think Kilgrave would have been much better suited the way they treated Kingpin in Daredevil of just this background force that's there, but he doesn't become the central part of the story until late in the series. They could have done different investigations, more stuff with Luke, Trish, what have you, and just keep tying in, you know, Kilgrave's out there. He's a threat. 
because we just saw so much of him. It it got really tiring by the end and they just kept rehashing the same stuff over. Like you said, yeah. how many times can they bring up the it wasn't rape point? I understand, again, the metaphors they were trying to tell of you know abusive relationships and – Everything that Jessica and Hope had to go through because in society, it's the burden of proof is always on the victim, not having you know his word against hers and always having to defend yourself. And I, I get what they were trying to do metaphorically with the series, just structurally, and many of the story points didn't support it the way that it should have. And the other thing too, and you you – touched on it by saying how there should have been various story elements that were that that ran throughout the series with the overarching theme of her getting him eventually finding a way to get to him being the big climax at the end and what that would have done was make it so that you didn't have stupid cliched tropes throughout of him constantly getting away once she's caught him because how many times can he hold innocent people hostage? Well, it's not just that. How many times can he get away when he mm-hmm. was rescued in the van? That was complete and utter crap because not only I mean, it, it was literally all uh, Trish would have had to do is put the car and drive and hit the pedal. That's it. But there's waiting until they break the window and zap or kind of thing. And it would have been literally a pff, go. Or you would have seen them coming behind. And so it was just this very weak element. And and on top of that, it was like all of a sudden it went from a few guys to her being swarmed. Yeah, where did the extra two vans come from? Exactly. So there were too many things where you're like, uh. And then when they finally have him in the, the, the tank, she leaves the evil lawyer alone with him. <laughs> now, she's been through hell because of him, but I'll leave this morally degenerate lawyer alone with him because nothing bad can come of that. So there were too many times where you're going like, nope, nope, nope. Even if she wanted to hang on to him to get the proof, which that in and of itself is so weak that I don't even want to address that. But – yeah, it would have the, the what, escapes wouldn't what have happened. Would have taken that. As so yeah, it just it it doesn't play out at all. It just does not play out well. Mm-hmm. So conceptually, I didn't like it. I didn't like the writing. I did not like the the flagrant way that they dealt with various serious subjects, and I did not like most of the actors or how they portrayed portrayed their roles. I I did like how they brought very real elements that women have to deal with on a continual mm-hmm. basis and brought it to light in such a way that it is that it's that it's actually chilling and it should make people realize that kind of thing. Like the moments where it's that smile where he's forcing her and you're like, that's something women have to put up with all yeah. the goddamn time. And it's like that's a good way of showing again what is actually happening in real life all the bloody time and there were a bunch of different things like that and i would have liked it a lot more even dealing with a subject that i've made it clear i don't like seeing shows about this but taking that into consideration even 
had she been portrayed more as what we would have liked, not the victim and not made to be the victim for that many episodes and not a character of a character, then it it had the potential to be something spectacular. And I think I feel that – and we've talked about this with – be it games or, or, or movies or comics. It's one of those where in your like, I think people are putting it as high as they are on a pedestal because there isn't enough that's better that has come out that they can point to and say, yeah, you, you had some moments where you could have been great, but you're not as good as this or this or this kind of thing. It's just because there's not enough of these kind of things done properly that when something like this comes out, it just kind of goes viral and everybody loves it. That's just a thought I have. And a lot of the praise I've seen for it is based on what it was trying to be, not necessarily what it actually was. Because again, I I will praise a lot of what the show tried to do. I just don't think it was very successful in most of it. I, again, I would have stopped real early. See, when I sat down to watch the series, like whenever I like sat down, like, okay, I'm going to watch like a bunch of episodes of a show. I'm going to watch, you know, the latest season of Doctor Who or Daredevil or Jessica Jones. You know, I usually have something like a, like a project I'm working on, you know, building a model or something. When I sat down, did the same thing with Daredevil. I think I did maybe half a page of the instructions and then I could not focus on what I was doing. I was so engrossed in the show. I built one and a half models watching Jessica Jones. It was it was background for me. Like I think that maybe that's why I was able to like get through so much of it. And yeah, I, I watched it all in that first weekend because a I knew I was going to have the time later on, and b like I had some I, I wasn't completely focused on the show. So like some of like the groan moments and whatnot, I'm like ah whatever, let me just focus a little more on the work I'm doing here instead of the series. So yeah, it it was disappointing. Like I said I didn't hate it. But it it fell way too short in a number of important areas. I will point blank say I did, in fact, hate it. I, I felt that strongly about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, after 30 minutes of me ranting about it, it's just pretty obvious. <laughs> this was a great episode to host, I'll tell you that one. <laughs> I was actually not even going to say much. Honestly, I was not. Just because I feel that strongly about it. And I understand and I appreciate how it is important to some people, not because they just liked it because of the titillating factor behind it or because of whatever, but they genuinely like and feel good about how this helped represent very real issues that they have to deal with. I respect that. I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. And I don't want to ruin that for people. And that's why I've mm-hmm. been telling people when they've been asking, you know, watch it and see if you like it. But I hated it. And I'm not the only one that I know who hated it. And here are the reasons why without spoiling it. And then you go into it with open eyes and decide what you think about it. And so, and it is one of those subjects that I don't like arguing about this. I don't like having to prove my point about something that is this delicate in nature. Perfectly understandable. You want to talk about some comic books now? I didn't read that many this week, so I've only got a couple of things. You've got more than me because <laughs> I read a handful of comics, but to be perfectly honest, I didn't, 
I don't really have anything to say. <laughs> like they were everything I read over the past week was just eh. Like not I don't have strong feelings about anything I read one way or another. <laughs> so what have you got for us? Maybe I could piggyback on some of yours. Oh, I'm sure you I will. sat down and was like, what do I want to talk about and what we're reading? Eh. <laughs> okay. Are you caught up to date on Invincible? Yes. Now, here's one of those situations we're in, and I was comparing it to All New Wolverine because what's going on in Invincible is this reboot. And whether it turns Question out mark. to be a reboot or not doesn't matter for these issues. That's what it is. It's it's going back to mm-hmm. that time. And we've said this over and over again. It's, again, you can have it cliche but it's what you do with it then we can look at all new wolverine that has the clones cliche crap going on in it did you read the second issue of that yeah and comparing the two not story-wise but what they do with the cliche and it's not because i like one writer more than the other They've both done great things. They've both done things that I'm not crazy about. It's not because of the characters that I like one more than the other, because I love the invincible characters. I love X 23. So it's not that, but it's what you do with it. The invincible stuff. I'm enjoying it. (laughs) I'm actually really enjoying it. And I'm liking how he's playing with different aspects of what would you do toss back in to try to prove that, you know, you're from the future and you'd you'd think with all the comic books Mark has read, he'd be a little better at this whole time traveling thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I like the way it progresses. He's the worst time traveler ever. Well, he didn't get killed by his old man, at least this time around. So <laughs> <laughs> And he's not his own grandpa. That's about all we can say for him. <laughs> yeah. So I like it. Meanwhile, all new Wolverine, as the story continues with the clones thing, it's like there were scenes where I was groaning. It was so bad. So, yeah. I said that's one of the ones I read and I was like, eh. it, it It was just a lot of mediocre comics this past week for me. I'm borderline like close to like how long am I going to give X-23 a try? You know the answer to that question and it's a lot more than two. Honestly, no. No, I don't think so. If it continues like this, I'm not going to be sticking around that long for it. I just won't. I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff that I haven't been reading because I've been reading Mm -hmm. stuff like this. So did you read the Batman, the the Dark Knight stuff? Oh, the the Dark Knight 3? Yeah. No. I... I tr- I'm going to say I tried to read it. <laughs> I read it, but in my mind, I tried to read it and I'm going to have to try to read it again <laughs> because didn't always make sense. And not just conceptually the, the, the overarching s- story, but also the, the, the dialogue, the narrative throughout, you're like, I, it, it was almost as if the, he was playing a game with tiles that had words on them and then just toss them on the table and just putting things together. And you're going, this is not flowing. It's almost as if Brian Azzarello was trying to make sense out of a Frank Miller story. It just did not 
flow nicely at all, at all, at all. I, again, I'm going to be rereading it, but I just was, yeah, weird. I mean, I'm sure I will read it, but I'm not in any hurry to read it. Extraordinary X-Men. The next one, did you read it? I did. Now I I read it a couple weeks ago, so it's a kind of a, I read it when it came out and it's kind of a blur to me right now. So refresh my memory. (laughs) I'm digging parts of it actually. Like the stuff that you're seeing with, um, uh, Colossus and Ileana is really quite cool. The (laughs) Nightcrawler's tail. I just remembered that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That was kind of awesome. In a weird way. That was kind of awesome. And the stuff with old man Logan and how he's relating to storm and, and Iceman kind of thing, because it's not, they're not the same people. So mm-hmm. I, again, kind of digging that and the thing where he can't fit through the manhole. And she's like, is this going to become a thing with you now? <laughs> Cause he's gotten too big, <laughs> but I like the characters throughout the, the, the stupidity of, um, Sinister at the end is like, ah, I hate him as a character, a villain. So it's like, all right, whatever. You know, I love Sinister. So I know, I'm, but right. I'm, I'm on board. I love that they're hiding in freaking limbo. The school is there. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, that is freaking awesome. Plus it gives Ramus room to run wild. So, so all those rumors and whatnot we were hearing of, you know, the X-Men are going into space. How many of those were somebody caught the you know the plot line of the X Men aren't on Earth anymore? Yeah, true, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> and they just in, assumed they're going into space. The uh, the crap with Jean and the, the the boy she's out with and the yeah. stupid stuff going on there. I was like, eh, we've seen that so many times. So that was kind of a throwaway for me. It's just reinforcing what we already know is there. You don't have to. Although I, I did like the little twist at the end where she tries to help him. They go, like, oh, there's a place for mutants and he's not actually a mutant. He's an inhuman. Yeah, that was. That just... was that was that was an interesting twist on a scene we've seen a thousand times before. I saw it coming a mile away. I hate I, Fairland I number two. Didn't. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I saw it coming immediately. <laughs> did you read the second I, uh, Fairland? <laughs> God, I love this series. <laughs> God, I love this. <laughs> After a couple of really bad Jessica Jones episodes, nothing clears your palate. <laughs> like, I hate Fairyland. <laughs> All of it. Just so bloody good. So good. I love it. Uh, lastly, have you been watching uh, Supergirl? I still haven't watched an episode. Oh, you haven't watched any of it? No. Okay. It was funny. I, again, not not for any reason. I just haven't gotten around to it. Right. We. Uh, I, I said I I barely turn on my TV anymore. Right. We actually had been we watched one episode and then we were getting caught up one night and it just happened that the day after that I was listening to uh, Marty's All Comics Considered and they were talking about it as well and I didn't necessarily agree with everything that they said but we actually finished the last episode yesterday as well. It is definitely written for a young female audience, like without a doubt. You're getting a lot of story elements that as a grown-ass man, you're kind of going, oh, come on. But I know having raised a few girls as well, 
those elements of, oh my God, Jimmy's so dreamy and you smile whenever you see him. Yeah, that's things that they watched in other shows as well. So I can see how it's written for that audience. And there's different elements where you can also appreciate it's written for a younger audience, not just a younger female audience, but a younger audience, mm-hmm. period. Overall, that awkward moment when you realize you're no longer in the core demographic for major networks. <laughs> yeah, geez, that's been a while. The um, Overall, there was a lot of things about it that I really like. And I like the strength that they're giving her. However, and this is my ignorance when it comes to Supergirl story arcs and the actual comic books, because I really haven't read a lot of Supergirl. So I don't know if she is chained down by this uh, a government department that kind of trains her and, and sends her out on missions and that she reports to them. I don't know if that's part of the comics or not. But I, that's a new one to me, but much like you, I don't have a lot of experience with the character. Yeah. So because in this, her sister is part of a secret organization, which yet another cliche I hate for the government that it's essentially shield, just nowhere near as good kind of thing that is in charge of when there's <laughs> aliens invasions that, that, that comes and whatnot. But once again, you have a man at the top running it who's telling her how to do her job and how to be a superhero and where to go and things like that. And 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 Supergirl rebels against that sometimes, but still gets kind of reined in or reins herself in like this teenager who's listening to daddy telling her not to go out late. So there's elements that it's like, no, let her be a woman, go out and do these. Here's a woman that's got a job, is you know, not, I don't want to say successful, although judging by her goddamn apartment that would cost like a million to rent to lease, <laughs> <laughs> she's doing all right. But, uh, but no, there's so many elements that she really pushes to be her own character, to be strong, to not rely on Clark and all these other things. And yet they make it so that she has to listen to this government thing that's telling her how to behave and who to go after and different things. It's like, oh, come on. So, and then the whole bit with, I don't think they ever actually say Superman. They always refer to him as the big guy or Clark or whatever. And it's annoying as hell. And they also don't show him. You only get like this fuzzy cape or the back of him or whatever. And so it's kind of really lame the way that they handle the relationship between the two of them. So that's it. And isn't uh, tonight the uh, Flash Dude. crossover? Oh. <laughs> I have been giddy with excitement over this for, for like weeks. Whenever they do the crossovers, it's just good fun. And because the characters really play off of each other really well, regardless of what you think of Stephen Amell's acting for Arrow and the brutishness, which is not nearly as brutish this season as normal, but you get him together with with Barry and Barry is just so good natured and mm-hmm. giddy and all that. And the dude himself, Grant as well, is just giddy about being Flash and hanging out with Arrow and stuff like that. And it comes through. And so when you get those two dynamics together, it's just a win-win. I, I love it when they do these crossovers. Nice I will be reporting on this next week. <laughs> 
All right, then, for our new releases from Marvel, let's uh, run down the number ones first because we had a bunch of them this week. We have All New Inhumans, All New X-Men, Daredevil, Guardians of Infinity, which actually does look pretty cool, uh, Spidey, which is the lost, if you will, uh, high school tales of Peter Parker, and Totally Awesome Hulk. Aside from that, we have All New, All Different Avengers, number two, Doctor Strange, number three, Extraordinary X-Men, number three, Invincible Iron Man, number four, Nova, number two, and Star Wars, number 13. A lot of good Marvel comics out this week. <laughs> DC has a solid lineup this week as well. We have Action Comics, number 47, Batman and Robin Eternal, number nine, Batman Beyond, number seven, Gotham Academy, number 12, Gotham by Midnight, number 11, Green Lantern, number 47, and the start of Robin War with number one there. Image brings us Black Science, number 18, East of West, number 22, Nailbiter, number 18, Paper Girls, number three, Plutona, number three. And it's also the time of year where they put out their Image First special, which is a bunch of number one issues priced for a dollar. The most notable ones from this year's lineup is Bitch Planet, Descender, and Wayward, all highly recommended by us. And then all else we have this week is from IDW Transformers number 48. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. And until next week, thanks for listening. And if you want to listen to a really ridiculous D&D session, check out this week's For the Love. <laughs> where Sir Reginald gets drunk and canned. <laughs> There's a lot of tension between Sir Reginald and the narrator in this episode. (laughs) Where the narrator has had enough of his bullshit. I knew it. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.